0: and welcome friends to the generation's broadcast kevin swanson your host with you today and today we want to look at theology we don't talk theology all that much on this program we want to be sure that we have a pedestrian uh, presentation of a biblical worldview as applies to every area of life but today we're going to talk about the relationship of sanctification and salvation. Now, you've seen the bumper sticker, I'm sure, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Well, actually, Christians are not just forgiven, there's more to salvation than that. Uh, I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we are washed, we've been washed, we are set free, we're sanctified. Uh, we are disciples, we, we follow Jesus, we're new creatures in Christ. Old things pass away, all things have become new. We're part of the family of God, so we, we have to be careful of that reductionistic consideration of salvation. Christians are, they're not perfect, got that, uh, but not just forgiven. There's, there's, there's something more to salvation, and that's part of the discussion today on the, on this program. And, you know, the Puritans taught that uh, we want to apply all of the Word for all of life. And that's one of my favorite references to the Puritans. In fact, that's been a motto for this radio program for 9 to 20 years of broadcasting. We, we, we really want to equip the man of God for every good work. We see that the Word of God is there to equip the man of God for all of life. And, in fact, we are to teach all of us to observe everything Jesus has commanded. That, indeed, was the Great Commission. So let's be sure that we're applying the Word of God to every area of life. Now, some of the most difficult and contentious questions in theology actually do relate to the subject of holiness and the relationship of justification and sanctification. And we're going to clear all that up for you today. Hopefully, We want to bring the Word of God to bear and hopefully get some clarity to this. And my good friend and brother in Christ, Dr. Joel Beeky, is here to help us with this. He's president of Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary up in Michigan, also a pastor at Heritage Reformed Church. And uh, he's also a full-time lecturer on systematic theology and homiletics uh, for the the, uh, seminary. Uh, there in Grand Rapids, and now he joins me on the Generations Broadcast. Uh, Joel, welcome again to the Generations Broadcast. Good to have you back with us.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin.
0: And and, and we're going to clear all this up today. So, <laughs>
1: uh, <and laughs> I, need,
0: I need your help on this. So, uh, but uh, and, uh, In fact, we want to introduce a book that you've just published, I think 2021, called A Radical Comprehensive Call to Holiness. And I immediately resonated to that because because that is really the vision of the Puritan pastors who did so much work in preparing the man of God for every good work, applying the Word of God to all of life. And that really was your intent with this book as well, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. So what we wanted to do, Kevin, is we wanted to give a, a book that was something more than a 50 or 100-page paperback on just simply the the how-to's. But we do include the how to's here, but we we structure the book actually in in seven categories how to define holiness and then how to exegete it from the scriptures and then how to practice it and promote it mm. in our own lives and then how it's tested how we can examine ourselves and then we look at how it's um, how it's distorted by others and then mm. the final three chapters are holiness consummated in heaven which or the most delightful part of the book to, to write so it's true that Christians aren't perfect and we don't achieve
0: sinless perfection on earth, and yet there is this uh, this holiness without which no man shall see the Lord so how do you take that verse
1: well, you need to understand the difference between positional or definitive holiness and progressive holiness okay, so the moment a sinner is born again, uh, and, and becomes a true believer in Christ. He's he's justified by faith alone, through the power of the Spirit applying that uh, salvation in Christ to his soul, and at the same time, uh, sanctification or holiness—we pretty much use those as synonyms—begins. Um, and so you're 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 definitively. Sanctified in Christ the moment you're justified because justification and sanctification are inseparable. But now you've got to live it out in your daily life, and so that's a progressive thing all, all your lifetime. So I like to compare it, Kevin, to a, an example I give to people about when you when you got married, um, you you walked down the aisle. You were you were two people and um the minister led you to through your vows and once you said your vows you're officially married these two shall be one you are now one and so when you walk out of the uh, wedding ceremony you walk hand in hand that's not, not that's not just a uh, bare bones custom that's that's symbolic of something these two are now one definitively you mm-hmm. are a married man mhm but now to become one, truly one in your thinking, one in your attitudes, one in your emotions, one in your love for each other, that takes a whole lifetime. And and, and you still don't make it perfectly, do you? Mm-hmm. No matter how good your marriage is at right. the end of your life. So it's like that with the Lord, you become definitively one in Christ with Christ when you truly please a process all your lifetime to live out what you really are in Christ. You're definitively sanctified, but in Christ, you make progress in holiness as you seek to be more and more conformed to him by the grace of the Spirit.
0: Hmm. So I'd like to put together a caricature. I'm not sure that anybody actually says something like this, but I'd like to just present it to you and ask your comment on it. Uh, What's wrong with the testimony, I want to be justified but not sanctified? I want to be forgiven uh, but not cleansed from my sin. I want to be dead in my sins uh, but forgiven of sins. Uh, I want to be free to sin but not free from sin.
1: You know uh, what's the wow. problem with that? You That's an oxymoron. Uh-huh. Okay. Oxymoron. Right. Uh, uh, and why is why is that? Possibly be a Christian and not want to be holy. Okay. That's like saying I want to be married but I don't want to I don't want to love my wife. I don't want to I don't want to live with to her. Live as one. Right, right. Okay. So so Dr. Martin lloyd Jones once said that the verse that helped him most in all of Scripture, to live the Christian life was Romans six eleven, and it says something like this: You recall, um, reckon yourselves dead unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, what Lloyd Jones said was this: When I'm tempted to sin, I talk to myself like this: What are you going to sin when Jesus Christ? has done everything for you and you're justified in him and you're saved in him forever. Mm -hmm. When you are a hell worthy wretch in yourself, you're just a lost sinner in yourself and you're going to go out and sin against that savior who paid everything for you. Oh, my soul. Mm. Flee from sin. Mm -hmm. You're a Christian. Mm -hmm. You've got Mm -hmm. no business sinning. Amen. You're, You're called to be holy. You're called to be dedicated, consecrated to the Lord. So, Good. Banish sin. Leave no open window space for sin in your life. Count yourself dead to sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. You see the connection there yeah. between sanctification and justification. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, And, and I want to get to Romans 6 and 7 just for a moment because it does tie in so much to the subject of mortification of sin, sanctification, that ongoing process in the Christian life. Uh, do you see a tension between Romans six and seven? On the one hand, the wretched man that I am uh, has a hard time seeing himself delivered from the body of death. But on the other hand, we reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine delivered. Being made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. Is there a
1: tension between Romans six and seven for you? Well, there's always a tension in in the christian life because okay. the, the the center the center of your existence the heart uh the depth of who you are you know you're a new creation if you're a christian mm. so you want to live holy but if you picture if you picture like a circle right inside of you and you picture arrows going out into the internal circle the new man wants to take over everything he wants He wants to reckon himself always dead to sin and always alive to Christ. But Satan and the old nature, they're trying to shoot arrows from outside to regain lost territory. So there's like a front line of battle around that circle inside Hmm. of you. So that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 7, this indwelling sin that he hates. He hates it. And he wants to be delivered from it and he reckons there's a holy war going on inside of himself as he seeks to be more and more conformed to Christ. So yes, in every believer, there's a daily tension. But thanks be to God, Paul concludes Romans 7, and says my my deliverance is in Jesus Christ. That's right. So That's right. The more I'm focused on Jesus, the more I walk in him, the more I'm consecrated to him, the more I obey him, the more I use the means of grace looking to him, the more Christ-centered I am, the more the new man gains the victory over the old nature. Hmm. Now, we
0: are talking about works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Ephesians 2.10. Uh, how do we avoid a merit-based view of works? I think somebody once asked me, how much repentance do I have to repent before I get to be a Christian? Or, or here's another way that they put the question sometimes to us, how much fruit is sufficient fruit such that I might be sure that I am a Christian. So, you know, this, I don't know how much must I do keeps coming back into the picture. It seems.
1: Yeah. Well, when it comes to knowing that, you know, you're a Christian, um, the reformers and the Puritans were, were were quite clear. And I think very biblical, they basically said there's three grounds of assurance of faith. One ground is that, and that's the primary ground on which the other two are based, is that I trust in the promises of God. God, God's character, God's track record, God's faithfulness mm-hmm. cannot fail. Yes. So the ground of my assurance, the ultimate ground, the primary ground, is the promises of God. Or you might say Christ himself, because... All the promises of God are yea and amen in him, and he is the gospel, in a sense. So, gospel promises Christ. Those are nearly synonyms in the Bible for, for one another, and uh, we rest our salvation on that. But our lives must give evidence of that to really have assurance, to know that I know that I'm a believer. And so the Bible gives us Marks of grace by which we can examine ourselves. First Epistle John gives you eleven of them. Um, right. The Beatitudes. Right. Matthew five. Jesus mm-hmm. gives you seven or eight more. Mm-hmm. Second Peter one. There's six or seven of them there. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. There's a list of nine of them in Galatians five twenty two twenty three. So what you do is you also, in addition to resting on the promises of God you cry out to god and say show me who i really am give me light over my own conscience my own heart my own life and uh for example jesus says blessed are they the hunger and thirst after righteousness so they shall be filled that they, they they and they alone shall be saved now i examine my heart and say lord i cannot deny that i hunger and thirst after the righteousness of jesus christ conclusion I'm saved. I have a mark of being a true believer. And then the third, the third ground is, the Spirit directly testifying through the Word with my Spirit, that I'm a child of God by applying the Word in powerful ways to me, such that I I simply can't deny, I simply can't deny mm-hmm. that right. that I belong to Christ and He He belongs to me. So again, I go back to the marriage analogy, Kevin. And put it this way, was I sure that my wife loved me when I married her? Yes, I was sure. Am I more sure now, 33 years later, when I've seen 10,000 times that she loves me? Mm. Absolutely, I'm more sure. Right, right. So, and do I, am I even more sure that I love her? Absolutely. When I just think of her, I just love fills my heart immediately. So, the track record of god to his people and then my response to him that naturally flows out of his superabounding love actually gives more and more evidence as i move along in life of the marks of grace within me so i i I mean it would be crazy for me after 55 years of of living the christian life by the sheer one-sided grace of god to deny that he is mine and i am his i i it, it's it's in the very fiber of my being. And I, and I, I, I love him. I love him above all. Mm-hmm. So the, you, you examine yourself by the marks of grace as well as rest on the promises of God.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and how, how does one avoid falling into this merit-based view of works? I mean, obviously the Catholics uh, fell into that. It, it's a wrong view of salvation. But uh, the idea of, have I done enough works? Uh, to me, motive ties into this as well.
1: Yes, of course. Yes, of course. And uh, in in terms of do we ever deserve salvation in any way, shape, or form, the answer, of course, is always no, because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we forfeit forfeit every single day of our lives um, the right to say, I contribute anything to my salvation. We just receive. We receive salvation so salvation is by grace not by works as soon as it's by works yeah then you're back in the conundrum of martin luther and roman catholicism and Mm -hmm. Mm semi-plagianism where salvation becomes partly grace and partly works once you once you camp there you you will never get assurance even if it's 99 percent grace and one percent works you're still going to ask the question aren't you um Am I doing that 1% enough for God to accept me? And the answer is, you can't, because you're not absolutely perfect, and God can Mm -hmm. only accept that which is absolutely perfect. He's a holy God. He can't let an unholy thing into heaven, so we need to rely entirely for 100% of our salvation on the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, both in his passive obedience in dying for us and in his active obedience and obeying the law perfectly for us by loving God above all, loving his neighbors himself all his life. So the moment, the moment you turn to yourself and say, uh, I, you know, I need to be perfect in myself in order to be accepted to God, then your salvation is absolutely hopeless forever.
0: Yeah. Sanctification. Still by grace? And how does okay. grace and faith tie into sanctification, Joel? Yes,
1: yeah, so grace and faith are at the core of, of sanctification, because all sanctification comes to us by Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians one thirty. That's right. He is made of God unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And therefore, without Jesus, we can do nothing. We, we can't sanctify ourselves without him and without his spirit in us working that sanctification. And we co-labor with that spirit as we seek to, to sanctify ourselves. So he works in us and that puts us to work, but it's not a work of merit. That's right. The Belgic Confession says so well, we are not... God is not beholden to us for the good works that we do, but we are beholden to him. In other words, he's the one who is our author of sanctification. We give him all the credit. Now, we receive that sanctifying influence of the Holy Spirit in us by faith. And faith, when it's active, it ends in the triune God, but it also puts us to work in all kinds of areas of our lives. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, said, faith is the engine, the engine of our life. And all the train cars that follow the engine uh, are pulled along by the energy of faith. So faith, when I live by faith, I'm moved to love. When I live by faith, I'm moved to humility. When I live by faith, I'm moved to hope. And so uh, the sanctification that goes on inside of me is always, always, the fruit of grace, and it's always the fruit of faith. So grace, faith, and then works, or graces, you might say, or marks of grace flowing out of that grace and that faith, um, that's always the way the pattern works according to the Scriptures.
0: Hmm. So, Joel, let's speak to that person who is saying O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of flesh? I just want to love people more. I want to love God more. I want to obey his commandments. Uh, I want to improve my relationships and my marriage and my church. Uh, I just want to see myself more sanctified over the next 15, 20 years, as as God permits. Um, What can I do? How does this work out?
1: Yes, yeah, so practically, when the rubber hits the road, uh, uh, it's a good sign when a Christian asks, w- w- "What am I to do to really cultivate this this holiness?" Mm-hmm. I, my goal, my goal, is to imitate the character of the Father, to be, to be, to be like God, God the Father, in His communicable attributes. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ, and I want to submit my mind to the Holy Spirit as He records His will. In, in the scriptures. So I, I want to cultivate a Trinitarian holiness, but how do I do it? Well, um, first of all, of course, I mean, step one, if I may say it that way, is to know and to love the scriptures so that you are in the scriptures. That's the book, the great textbook to help you grow in holiness. You, you've got to be like that godly man in Psalm one that is meditating. Uh, Day and night on, on the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Christians come to me and they say, as a pastor, and I'm sure you have that too, Kevin. Um, you know, I, I have a really hard time growing in holiness. And you say, "Well, how much time are you spending in the Word?" They say, "Well, well, maybe five minutes a day." Well, that that's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty-three hours and fifty-five minutes of the day, the world is trying to get your attention, yeah, and, that's and, right. and you spend five minutes with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying you need to do hours and hours, but you need to be in the Word. If you want to grow in holiness, mm-hmm. and then you also uh, need to really put a high premium on on the preached word, don't you? Right I mean, at, at the house of God, you got to be under a great preacher who who really talks about these things from the pulpit and preaches about them, and you've got to pray and work in dependence upon God for your holiness. It's not a matter of saying, "Well, it's all of grace, therefore I, I I won't work at it." But you you pray for grace to be holy, and and, and you work at it. Like prayer and work, the Puritans used to say, are, are like two oars uh, that help you, um, you know, use both oars to, to to move your boat forward. If you just have one oar, you're just going to go in circles. Mm. And so you pray, but you depend on God as you go to work. Another thing, of course that isn't so popular today but you've got to flee worldliness you've got to right If you're going to spend Mm -hmm. uh, two three four hours in front of television set every day and you're going to watch movies that are just glorifying sin you're not going to grow in holiness you're going to desensitize your conscience so you've got to walk uh, in holiness say no to worldliness turn your eyes away from evil and then you've got to also seek fellowship in the church. You've got to associate with mentors in holiness. Hmm. One thing I love to do as a pastor is I love to go visit the most godly people in my congregation, just to be around them. Yeah. I always say to people, look for people who are more holy than you are. <laughs> yeah. And, and go talk to them mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. say, look, tell me, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you handle this struggle, this indwelling war, and, and what means of grace do you find helpful? And uh, and then finally, I would say this, make it your intentional purpose day by day from the morning you get out of bed in the morning to the moment you, you, you turn off the lights at night and go to sleep to live in present tense, total commitment to God. Let that be your conviction. I'm alive today, Kevin, to live to the glory of God. That's right. And I want to spend every minute today. I don't want to waste any time. I I hate the expression kill time. Time is more valuable than money. I want to live every moment of my day for the glory of God, whatever that entails. Amen. Lord, help me. Please help me to live in total present tense commitment to God. Amen. Hopefully that's, that's a bit Amen.
0: of a help. Amen. I was doing a Bible study with some men this morning and encouraged them, hey, we're only here for 10 more years. After that, it's eternity. So, you know, let's redeem the time. Let's uh, let's serve God with all that is in us. Let's lay up treasures in heaven uh, for every minute, every second of the day. And uh, let's get off the fence. Let's be on fire. Let's be fervent. Let's uh, Let's pull out all the stops. And, you know, I think it's the sanctified person that would just say, yeah, amen to that. And, and we're saying amen to Dr. Joel Beeky as uh, he shares with us the how-to, but more importantly, really the theology that uh, undergirds the, uh, the doctrine of sanctification and holiness. And friends, uh, this is what God wants. He wants us to be holy as He is holy and the book is A Radical Comprehensive Call to Holiness, available through Reformation Heritage Books. And our guest today, Dr. Joel Beake. Uh Friends, uh, you've been listening to the Generations broadcast, and uh, you can interact with the program by just emailing me at host at generations.org. If you'd like to get in contact with Dr. Beaky, just email me and I'll send it forth to him. But... Uh, Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Beakey. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.